everybody. Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast, where we do a deep dive back into Marvel's history, where we look at the weird, the esoteric, and the forgotten. I am broadcasting to you live from deep underground in the Comic Book Dungeon. And I am broadcasting to you live adjacent to the Comic Book Dungeon in the Wolf Spider Arena. Nice. Uh, I want to thank all of our new listeners from the Simpsons Halloween episode. Our listenership was up 666%. That's the way to do it around Halloween. But (laughs) we were so successful with that episode, and I think it came from changing formats, that I would like to announce to everybody right now, we are hanging up the comic books. We are hanging up the comic book dungeon. And according to my crack research team, this is the hot button topic. This is the commentary that we should be doing. Are you guys ready? Can you guess? We are switching to oh, a God, no. No. podcast. This is the Shady Pine St. Olaf podcast. Are you guys ready for this? Are you Team Dorothy or Team Blanche, Cruz? Oh, no, this one is bad. I know if I threw a party and invited everyone I knew, the, I would see the greatest gift would be from you. And I appreciate that. <laughs> Okay. Uh, why don't we just go with a Bosom Buddies podcast? Because <laughs> the theme song wasn't as readily available. But no. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Fuck that shit. We are not doing a Golden Girls podcast. We are getting back into Kill Raven. It's been too long, if you ask me. But before we go straight into Kill Raven, I do have some exciting news. We have our first voicemail ever, and I don't know if What? We, yes. Trying to cue it up here while we talk. When we started off the the comic book, the bon, uh, the Simpsons Treehouse of, of Horror, we saw there was a phone number in there for Bongo Comics. It looks like they left us a voicemail. Here it is. You better grow eyes in the back of your fucking head, you horned piece of shit, because I'm not going to sleep until worms are crawling up your foam rubber ass. I'm going on safari, motherfucker. Safari. Wow. That was nice that they even had some music, musical accompaniment by that for, uh, for that. That was nice. Oh, yeah. And that was our first bit of uh, listener mail. So I appreciate the voicemail from Bongo Comics. Thank you. Yeah, it was much. our first death threat, too. I like it. <laughs> you can take that. Let's just, let's just settle down. We could take that in a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we can. <laughs> sounds fun. So long as it's not a safari with Dick Cheney, we're okay. I'm sure it's going to be fine. (laughs) But uh, to get serious here for a second, I want to talk to everybody about the podcast, about the comic book dungeon. This isn't just Mark and Cruises or Cruises and Mark's podcast. This is less of a podcast and more of a community. This is a place for us to talk about comic books, Star Trek, other related kind of nerd topics. The reason I started this podcast is because I don't have many people to talk about comic books in my life. My wife's got eyes glaze over or she'll laugh and say, you know, I don't care. So <laughs> this was a way for me to share my love with, uh, with other people. And I know anybody who listens to a, co- a podcast about a 40 year old comic about a guy who doesn't wear pants and kills Martians. If you're that passionate about comic books, you probably have a similar problem finding people in your life that are that passionate. So I would like to create an open forum, like I said, a community, where you don't even have to respond to our listener or mail or our questions that we we still have open because we haven't been getting a lot of feedback, which is okay because we're just starting. But 
I just want to hear about what you guys are reading. Even if it's not current, you had just read Civil War and you were like, whoa, Spider-Man just escaped uh, Stark Tower. This is crazy. Just the stuff about comic books and kind of nerd culture that you're you're super passionate about right now, drop us a letter and we're t- we'll talk about it. Absolutely. I remember when uh, Superior Spider-Man, when Peter Parker became Spider-Man again, I was so pumped I woke up my wife accidentally, and I read a story the next day where a guy ran around his office because he read it on his, his uh, lunch break, yelling like, Peter's back! Peter's back! So, <laughs> Yeah, if you're that excited, drop us a line and we'll talk about whatever it is. I know, or if you have questions or things that you don't understand that you would want resolved, or if you just want to know who would win in a fight, Hulk versus Superman. Be a long fight, but just like Doomsday, Hulk would kick his ass. Spider-Man versus Batman. Ah, uh, wait, I beg to differ. I think Soups could take the Hulk. This is going to be an ongoing issue now, and I want you guys <laughs> to join the conversation, because maybe Cruz is right. Batman versus Spider-Man. Batman would take him the first round, but if there was a follow-up, that's where Spider-Man shines, and he would kick Bats' ass. Again, you disagree? Right on in, and I would like to hear why. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, um, how do you feel about incorporating some of the newer stuff that's coming out? I mean, uh, you know, like the newer Marvel Cinematic Universe questions, comments, and all that with uh, those uh, movies that are tied in with the comic book culture. I, I would love it. I don't. I haven't seen a lot of the the movies, but yeah, if you guys are passionate, write in and we will talk about it because I think you know more about the movies than I do. Oh yeah. Well, on that on that topic, I believe it was you that sent me that uh, pretty much the, almost the full run of the the first run of the Runaways. If you remember that one. Oh, that sounds like something I would do. Yeah, Hulu's actually producing. A, uh, a series that's uh, based off of that comic book. And it looks like it's actually staying really true to the original source content. Yeah, I, I heard that they were making a, a series and that's why they brought the, the comics back recently. Yeah, yeah. I was I was actually really impressed with it. I pulled my wife over and I was like, look, you're going to watch this with me. And she, and she looked at me and she's like, is this comic book related? I'm like, yeah, but it's got angsty teenagers and shit. You, you'll like it too. Everything's comic book related. Um, cool i look forward to getting into the superman hulk debate that i think we should clear that up on next episode we will (laughs) reconvene on that because i would love to hear your thoughts um Uh, i would also like to hear or i would also like to open up the uh the floor on this next issue which is related we have one itunes review right now from dr acula we just started november i want at least five iTunes reviews by the end of November. And if we get five, we will do something to reward the audience. A couple ideas that we have here is we might put out some additional shows in December, or we might uh, live stream video for one of our shows. Or if there's something that you guys would like us to do, like, hey, we know you suffered with the Treehouse of Horror. Why don't you do a couple more of those? Because we hate you. We'll do it. Just let us know what you guys want. Write in at uh, comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com. Write in your ideas. Give us your reviews. And basically, you guys are in control. We will do whatever horrible thing that you want if we get those five uh, five iTunes reviews. No dick pics, though. Sorry. <laughs> I draw a line somewhere. I'm not taking my dick pics off the net. <laughs> too much to police. Yeah, I can't scrub them out, okay? <laughs> So, 
So we'll have to agree to disagree on the quote unquote dick picks. <laughs> oh, eBay. All right. Maybe it's time to get started, to get back into it. I've missed Kill Raven, and I got to tell you guys, this has been my favorite issue so far. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, there's definitely some uh, some some outstanding character design that goes on in this one. I really, really definitely enjoyed how uh, how different some of their new models were. I have exciting news for you, too, when we get right into the issue and we get to the creative team. I've got good news on that front that I think you'll enjoy. Let's take a look at this cover. I, I love this cover, but if anything, I think the cover undersells the scene that it's trying to depict. I think it was even cooler in the issue, but it was a great cover. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this this cover this cover's a little misleading, I believe. The cover is slightly misleading. And uh, the scene, we'll, we'll get to the scene probably about halfway through the book or a little bit more, is by far way better than what this cover's trying to show us. Yeah, this is definitely one of the cooler fights that I've seen probably in the last month or so in a comic, which I read a lot of comics that say something. I really enjoyed it. This was a cool cover. We have uh, Kill Raven. He's on this bridge, this golden bridge, and you see that either side there's these red spikes coming up. He's fighting. The cover, it makes it look like a cockroach, like a, a mutated human cockroach. We learn it's more of a lobster or crab creature inside. It looks like he's defeating, or he's not defeating, he's defending a woman uh, who's in front of him. And there's a giant monkey creature that looks like it's attacking him from behind. Right, yeah. And, yeah, the, the, you know, now that you pointed it out, they really did a disservice to freaking Crab Boy over there with uh, how they drew him on the cover. Because he's t easily twice that size when we see him in the issue, but you can tell they were trying to crowd him into the uh, the picture. Oh, I think I got ahead of myself, too. I wanted to say that this is the November 1973 issue. This is Amazing Adventures featuring War of the Worlds issue 21. Mm-hmm. Man versus mutant monsters in a world gone mad. Cry <laughs> kill Raven. <laughs> Cry havoc. Oh, boy. My, I, as much as I do love this cover, though, there's something I fucking hate about this cover, and I hinted about it last episode that there was something on this cover that didn't jive with what we saw last issue. You mean that Crab Boy looks like he's trying to cop a feel on the chick's ass with his tiny little delicate pincer arm? No, it's Kill Raven's fucking pants. He's got his new costume on, but yet they drew him without the pants. You are correct, sir. <laughs> That's the first thing I noticed when I saw this before we recorded last episode. I'm like, he's got his new costume, but they couldn't wait just to draw draw his uh, his mankini in no pants. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, th I, I feel – okay, I didn't double-check the credits here, so – my impression is that there there was a change in writer and there was a change in artist. Absolutely. You know what? Let's uh, get into that right now. The creative yeah. team on this was Don McGregor was the writer. He's a new writer to this book, and he is now going to be the permanent writer for the rest of the series. So he is the stable writer. Okay. So we have Don McGregor writing. Herb Trippy is the artist which is why we saw things a little bit different, but I think he did an amazing job. I thought they both knocked it out of the park. Yolanda Piquet is the inker. Artie Simek letterer. P. Goldberg is the colorist. And Roy Thomas is the editor. Lovely. 
Yeah, they, I love this creative team. I think they're going to show us some great things, and hopefully those great things involve Kill Raven wearing pants. Yes, yes, definitely wearing some pants. Yeah, I I, I, I do like the change of the team. I, I do have a bone to pick with the writer, though, because he kind of pissed me off a little bit. But that might just be my inner SJW freaking coming out. Okay, I can't wait to see uh, what he did. That to I, 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 Is it several of the sexist scenes that we see later on? Uh, not only that, man. They're, they're, okay, you're going to see later on, uh, as we progress through, Mashula sounds like he just came off of a jive-talking 70s freaking blaxploitation flick. Okay, I, could def- I definitely see what you're talking about. I and, and, you know, he didn't have that going on before. Before, he was just – he was he – was, I, I mean, I'm sorry, man. I don't know any black guys that talk like that anymore. And it's 2017. So I, I think that the, the feeling that, you know, that they carried on that that, that style of slang uh, into 40 years into the, the sci-fi future here was kind of a little short-sighted on their part. You, but You don't hey. think he should have sounded like Huggy Bear? I didn't know what I mean is I don't think he should have sounded like freaking JJ from freaking good times. Okay. I think that's a fair criticism. Um, just as a quick note where we left off last issue, kill Raven had gotten his ass kicked by seventies cable, or you might know him as the <laughs> warlord. Uh, yes. They lured kill Raven and the Freeman into a trap at LaGuardia airport they were captured, and they we were told that they were going to bring him to the arena for the pleasure of the Masters. And that's exactly where this issue opens up with Kill Raven. It's an odd-looking arena, but he is in the foreground fighting those G.I. Joe extras we mentioned last issue. Yep. We see... Tearing away at him. Yeah, he is kicking ass. We've got um, a new character. It's the woman we saw on the cover. We learn her name is Camilla. She is standing next to Warlord. Behind them, originally I thought those were spectators, but those were actually mutant prisoners. But above them all, watching from on high, are two of the uh, Martian overlords. Or as I like to call them, Mr. Potato Head and Coconut Face. (laughs) Again, I think those are really good names. Yeah. (laughs) Kill Raven is kicking ass. He is taunting as he fights. I mean, he is just... He is... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. He's talking some serious shit. This this entire issue, it's with brief pauses between the action, is just Kill Raven kicking ass. And do you know where I could hear in my head the entire time I was I was reading this issue? What? Tell me. I just could not get the Star Trek fight music <laughs> out of my head. Oh God. So I just I mean the entire uh. issue that was like the soundtrack, and I just I thought the action was uh, drawn well, it was conceived well. This was a great issue. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It definitely was a real good page turner. So we learn the, the woman, like I said, her name is Camilla Frost. Uh, we learn that she is the Martian's foremost molecular biologist, which was very easy for me to tell because of the way she was dressed. That is actually yeah, how absolutely. molecular biologists dress when they're in a lab because they realize clothes will only slow them down. Right. When I think molecular biologist, I I think a little little uh, you know a little tank top tankini kind of deal with a tiara because you gotta have that tiara is definitely totally perfectly practical garb for someone that's working in a lab. The knee boots and the sword uh, 
hung over her bikini are definitely a must. And I think we might have a disagreement here. Her top, do you think that is supposed to be fishnet or armor? I I have to say it's got to be like a a, a fishnet over something else. It's got to be a – it's a layered fishnet turtleneck (laughs) that's got something sheer underneath it. I'm not – I'm glad that we agree that it is fishnet because that's – I wanted to believe it was armor and every every new time or every time I saw it drawn like on a different page, I just kept coming away with that is clearly not armor that's layered like scales. That is clearly fishnet. So I'm yeah. glad we can reach a consensus on that. Yeah, well, it's got to be breathable for all that gene splicing she does, you know? We also learn that she's in charge of the Martian Alteration Division. So this is a person with a lot of education. This is a high up. She's a keeper high up in the Martian organization. Further known as MAD. <laughs> she, <laughs> she is drawn mad in every panel. Every panel, like her eyes look unfocused and she just looks deranged. Well, yeah, I mean, even in the future you can have resting bitch face, okay? This is resting bitch face on steroids. I mean, it looks like she's, like, staring off in the foreground when there's somebody, like, a foot in front of her. She just looks unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she definitely uh, behaves a little erratically further on as well. She, You mentioned resting bitch face. She's a bitch. She takes every opportunity, opportunity to turn the screws on the warlord and just to tease him constantly and taunt him. And that's, oh, that's why I like her. Yeah, she's – he is not the confident warlord we saw last issue. I don't even want to say he's not confident. I think he's realistic. He's the man who taught Kill Raven, and he keeps every page. It's him reminding them he is too dangerous to live. It's easy for you guys to taunt him now, but he will escape. He's done it before, and he's going to come after us. I think he's being very realistic. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean uh... – yeah, I, I think the warlord here has learned from his previous mistakes that cost him, you know, an eye and you know, a whole arm and years of pain and suffering getting refitted with his new mechanical arm. And he's he's taking those lessons to heart and he's trying to spread the gospel of his knowledge to all these people that are mocking him. Bringing up those past pains, Camilla enjoys doing so and she teases the warlord that she hears rumors that he wakes up screaming kill raven's name every night presumably not out of a sexual need but because of the trauma that he suffered at his hands oh it could go either way (laughs) he is a complicated character which i think we learn later on so again kill raven he is just manhandling these uh these extras that we saw last issue so she uh she sends in uh, more of her elite soldiers. And w- I, there's actually a nice panel here at the bottom where after Kill Raven is down two of these soldiers, we get some crosstalk between them. The, do you see what he's doing to Cliff? And then the guy just defeated this. I see it. I see it. I like that they, they that the writer went out of his way to personalize those people. We don't get to see a lot of the collaborators show that sort of personality, these slaves. And yeah, I like the little crosstalk indicating they are human. They do have emotion. Right, yeah. Yeah, they give him a name and everything. Uh, I'm more interested in into these uh, elite creations she has because apparently they're, they're mutants that she made, and, and they, they look like a, a cross between a Roman legionnaire and a, a Spartan almost. They're really interesting character design on these, complete with a, like a, what looks like a toga too. The head reminds me of Gladiator of the Shire. 
Yeah, they have the mohawk, and it's like they have this gray skin, but they're definitely a human based. And she sends in her troops, and Kill Raven is now literally fighting six men at the same time. And he's 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 owning it too. He is kicking ass, and he's talking smack the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got to give him credit here. He is absolutely just just hamming it up. And just talking trash the whole time as he is kicking everybody's ass. He's lifted one of these elite soldiers off the ground is about and about to punch him in the face. And the guy asked him to wait. And Killraven screams, wait, nothing, in his face and just clocks him. I mean, this is a very competent Killraven, despite the fact that he's supposedly at his enemies or at the mercy of his enemies right now. I mean, he is just kicking ass. Yes, he is just kicking ass and taking names. And he's basically, uh, he is really confident. He's basically boasting. He's like, I've had enough. I want to find my boys and get the hell out of here. And again, we get another scene of Warlord and Camilla. And Warlord again warns Camilla not to look so smug. He's he's clearly afraid of Killraven. I mean, despite the last battle, I mean, he lifted up turbines. I mean, he beat Killraven and it didn't look like he it was too strenuous for him. But I think being this close to him and seeing him fight is reminding him of how good Killraven was and the trauma that he suffered. Yes. And to reinforce that, while Killraven is beating up these six guys, he now threatens Warlord, who responds to this by... And this is his move, the entire issue, is he waits till Killraven has his back turned, jumps into the ring... And punches him four times in the back of the head with his metal arm. So not the most sporting maneuver. And again, you can see some of his fear coming out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he basically beats his freaking cranial freaking cavity senseless with that freaking mechanical arm of his. And, and, and just cold cocks him, knocks him out. I'm surprised that he did not have brain damage. I mean, we saw him pick up a jet engine with that arm, and it looks like full power hitting Killraven in the back of the head. Yeah, he, he definitely, uh, Killraven definitely should have suffered some some sort of a concussive trauma. And, and I mean, this is at least the second one we've seen him receive, you know? I mean, if if the NFL were still in action, they, they'd be all over this about, about how much brain damage he could be suffering. Yeah, they, they kill Raven. You've got to wear a helmet before you go into battle now. Because, yeah, I mean, that, that just looked brutal. <laughs> yeah, it did. He expected a fist-sized dent in the back of the guy's head. Well, the onomatopoeia we get is crunk, thud, walk, and pock. I don't know what the fuck pock is, but it sounds pretty bad. Yeah, it sounds, it's the sound you make when you pop a pimple. <laughs> the sound of the, that, that your skull makes when it splits apart. Yeah, there you go, there you go. On the next page... Killraven wakes up strapped into this machine. We got, again, those G.I. Joe extras. There's uh, five of them under the direction of the Warlord strapping him into this machine. And we actually get some good information here about the Martians that their potato head, coconut-like bodies are not very maneuverable in Earth's atmosphere. And this was actually good science here. Warlord tells us that the reason they can't move around is because Mars has a third of the gravity that Earth does which I did look up to verify, it has 38% of Earth's uh, gravity. So good that, for 70s Martians yeah. doing that research. Outstanding. So what the Martians, one of their big plans is, is they keep doing experiments on people, 
And what they're trying to come up with is some sort of form that I guess they're going to engineer themselves to have that will allow them to move over their the, the, their conquered planet more easily. And that's how Warlord puts it as their conquered planet, which even though he's being strapped into a machine, Killraven savagely kicks him in the side of the head because he took exception to the conquered part. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know, but... Looking at the the panel beforehand, and, and looking at almost every panel we've seen of the Warlord, you're right. This is a guy that looks absolutely terrified the whole time. He's in the position with the most power, and he looks absolutely scared of it. Maybe he's got some responsibility issues or something, or maybe he's just absolutely bone terrified of freaking Kill Raven. I think he's like Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park. He knows that on a long enough timetable, if they don't kill Killraven, Killraven's going to escape, and Killraven's going to come looking for vengeance. So I agree that he's being fearful, but I think he has good reason to be fearful. It's interesting that we see some other people in the scene, and we're informed that they are the result of these failed experiments, which I don't understand. We learn that this machine, it starts to laser into Killraven, so I don't see how these people don't look horribly mutated. I don't see how they're one failed experiments or two, how this is going to lead to a less potato head form for the Martians. I'm hoping that's going to get explained better in later issues. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping eventually we, we get to see a, a, a Martian transfer its consciousness into a, a human like form and, you know, kind of kind of go full, full circle with that V reference we made uh, uh, two episodes back or so. <laughs> that would be cool. I would like to see more of the Martians get involved in, in, in some of the fighting. Killraven, though, made a bad decision when he kicked a Warlord in the head because now Warlord is feeling a little bit petty. Feels like, hey, look at you. You're a tough guy. You know, you don't need any painkiller when we start to laser into you. Uh, uh, anesthetic you don't need any of that bro you're good he's definitely definitely a little bit a little bit angry about the kick to the head yeah yeah you could definitely see a little salt going on right there <laughs> we switch play uh scenes here we see camilla outside of the lab and she absolutely looks just unhinged in that picture also if they drew some vampire things on her she would absolutely in my mind look like a vampire I don't know. That's it, just me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? You know what drew my eye more than anything. Uh, it, it looks almost like a uh, a pre '90s version of Bender from Futurama hidden behind her hand. <laughs> I I did not notice whatever that is, but yeah, it does look a little bit like a like a robot or a Bender unit. I can see that. <laughs> but she's mad. She disagrees with Warlord. Uh, experimenting on Kill Raven and then disposing of him. She, and I agree, uh, you hinted at this earlier. I think her reasoning here, it's a little faulty. I don't think it tracks. I see that she's trying to spare Kill Raven's life and trying to justify why. Warlord doesn't buy it either, but she comes up with the, he's a charismatic individual. Why kill him now when this is just a small group? He could lead us to all these other free men, which she doesn't exactly explain to us why she wants free men, probably for more for her experimentations. But yeah, it seems very flimsy, and Warlord agrees. Yeah, he I, he agrees. I think he agrees a little reluctantly on that. So we then, again, we cut to uh, scenes again, and now we see what happened to the other free men. Mashula 
is trying to, they're all in a dungeon, and Mashula is trying to lead an attempt to shoulder through the door, which is clearly not going to happen, and the other free men agree that this is a waste of effort. Yeah, but yeah, Mashula is definitely, he's trying for it, man. He's, he's keeping on and keeping on. Yeah, we, we actually get some names here. The guy who looks absolutely like Dr. Mindbender from G.I. Joe, uh, his name is Old Skull. <laughs> and then there's a guy with a, with a short ponytail in back. At first, I thought it was another man bun, but from this perspective, we can see he's just got his hair tied back. His name is yeah. Hawk. But then yeah. there's a guy with a bull haircut that we never learned his name. He's not important anyway, but I'm just going to assume it, his name is Bull Haircut. Uh, I thought it was expendable number one. Yes. I'm sure that's what's going to happen eventually. Yeah. Uh, well, now, uh, here's here's where it gets a little, a little rough. You know, Mashula has a lot of dialogue in this part here. And you can't help but hear him sounding like he came out of a 70s freaking blaxploitation flick or straight out of I'm going to get not. Yeah, I'm going to get you, sucker. Or oh, what was that other one? Uh, the Last Dragon. And it's it's all you know. he's talking about. You never once heard him refer to Kill Raven as my man, Kill Raven. I, I knew that's exactly what you were referring to. But while we but while we sit here talking, my man Kill Raven is probably getting his head beat in. Yeah, you know, you could you could just in the back of my head, I am hearing this motherfucker say jive turkey every time he has a line of dialogue. And I know that's not what the character at least felt like before we had a change in writers. I've peeked at the next issue and I'm sorry to tell you, we get in all caps, we get a dynamite. Motherfucker. Damn it. That's Damn not, it! No, that's, that's not true. It's not true. Don't, don't, don't go in on me now. I do agree that this is a departure from Mashula. That was one of the things that I really enjoyed about his character in the other two issues, or three issues, was that they didn't go out of their way to make him talk like Luke Cage at this right. time. He was, he actually was, he was a pretty eloquent guy. He would trade barbs with Kill Raven. They seemed to have a similar they, speech pattern they were yeah they were yeah. definitely they were compatriots they were equals and i i really enjoyed that and yeah now they've they've had to jive him up which was unfortunate exactly oh we cut from the freeman and we go to the cloning division where camilla she goes to a cage and this is where we saw the stretched out monkey creature uh on the title page we learn that this is a creature cloned by her we learn his name is grok and she's a companion slash servant of camilla frost right right and yeah grok is definitely one misshapen looking dude he was a, a he was a mutant and they took a cell from that human mutant ape and we they decided that was such a, an efficient form that they wanted another one we also learned that there's none of the other clones have names grok is the only one that's somebody has cared enough to uh to name and we we see kind of a glimpse into their relationship it's a little bit closer than when we first see camilla we think she's going to be a very cold uh individual and we see that she she does have some some affection for this clone yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, she she gave it a name, and uh, <clears throat> it, it it develops 
as you watch it, it develops into something more than a master pet relationship. It's almost like, a, you know, I'm not going to say it's a, tr- a friendship. It's more like a, a witch and her familiar, you know? That's a great way to put it. Yeah, they're definitely not equals. He's definitely uh, in servitude uh, to her. But uh, I just wanted to point out, we have Warlord, which is very clearly an alternate uh, version of Cable. This is Camilla Frost. I'm going to go ahead and just confirm, or just my my theory is that she is somehow related to Emma Frost to continue <laughs> that X-Men relationship. Yep, yep. But you, I... you see the way that she... Her bearing, the way she addresses others, the casual taunting, these are very much Frost qualities. She's clearly, clearly related in some way to Emma Frost. Yeah, yeah. Well, her wardrobe definitely matches. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, she's, she's you know, sicking grok on some G.I. Joe expendables later on here. Yep, we, there's two guards out in the corridor. Grok easily dispatches both of them. We actually get a nice panel where we see that Grok has suction cups on the end of his hands, which is just a cool detail, and I hope we get to see him use those, like to climb walls or do something interesting in the future. But just it's a very or, clever design. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely makes it really easy to pick up sheets of paper off of the ground. <laughs> yeah, I just to me, it looks like they put a lot of imagination a lot of thought into grok and i appreciate that i think he's a character we're gonna see for a few issues and i like that they went out of his way to make him an interesting character that has a lot of these mutations that seem functional yeah yeah definitely and and, i mean you you gotta have like your your tall hairy wookie analog in any sci-fi uh story right works for me word so we see why she had uh, grok dispatch these guards Grok picks up the keys, and uh, they're going to spring the Freeman. Yeah, they're going to free the Freeman. Uh, uh. I like that she recognizes Mathula, and I like that she, the way she describes him. You are Mashula, the one with the quick tongue, which he replies, you got it the first time, Keeper Baby, which <laughs> I got to say I did yeah. enjoy that. Keeper Baby. Yeah, Keeper Baby. That was my favorite exchange in the whole, the whole issue. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah she's springing him out and uh we flash back over to our, our good buddy warlord and kill raven and uh warlord is definitely uh acting out some of his insecurities on kill raven here well he's pissed he he doesn't know yet that camilla has sprung the free man but he thinks that kill raven charmed camilla and turned her into his ally just through his kill raven s charm so he's angry and yet he's definitely acting out that anger he we get a nice line here where i don't know what you did like you'll hypnotize no one after this i mean he he definitely thinks that he's enchanted her or hypnot or just brought him brought her to his his side in some way which again reinforces to him that he's too dangerous to live which is Definitely confirmed because Killraven gets his hand free and just starts to choke. He just instantly grabs him by the neck and choke out Warlord. Oh, yeah. He is trying so hard to throttle the life out of that bastard. Yeah, he's trying to crush crush his windpipe. Yeah, but uh, Warlord ain't having none of that. And uh, he, he, he goes back to his usual fallback position, which is 
Let's bash Killraven in the head with my metal fist. This has got to be the tenth time in these two issues that Killraven has gotten punched in the head by a robotic arm. He looks totally surprised by it, too, you know? We, We mentioned last issue that... Warlord looked a little bit like Glass Joe getting hit in Mike Tyson's punch-out. Killraven has definitely got a Glass Joe-esque expression on his face there. His mouth is open, one eye is wide, one eye is shut. Yeah, he's definitely, he's on the ropes. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah he, he's, he's on the receiving end of some serious punishment. The laser starts, they bring it in, they start to cut into Killraven. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. That's exactly what it looks like. It looks like a Bond-esque death trap. And we get a nice line from Warlord that Killraven's screams will reach the Martian leaders in Washington, which is a nice introduction that 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 line will pay off at the end of the issue. Ooh, foreshadowing. (laughs) Okay. Killraven is such a badass, he doesn't scream as this laser is just cutting into his chest. Exactly. No, he just takes it like a man. What this reminded me of was Borderlands 2, when you you become a slab and you jump off the side of this tower that you're blowing up. And Brick is like, man, you just blew that up and you didn't even look back? What a badass. And that is just... (laughs) That's exactly what I, I, I'm weird, and that's exactly what I thought of, just because you just nice. see a bunch of clammy sweat on Killraven's head, but he's not he's not grimacing, I mean, he's not screaming, he's trying to give no outward indication of the agony you know he's in, that is that is a certified badass. Right, yeah, he's just, he is absolutely denying any sort of satisfaction for Warlord, he's just letting him... Yeah, I, I can't think of no better way to just give him a flat out fuck you than to just not even let him see you sweat. Yeah, this is a this is an individual who has to have tremendous control over his body and his emotions just to be able to to withstand that. But luckily, it's not for long that he has to, because the freemen burst in the room and just start to kick some ass. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you notice. I, I think the uh, letterer is just getting tired of having to write Kill Raven all the time. He, he shortens it down to KR in, in almost all of the, the dialogue bubbles. Either that or Mishula has decided that from now on, he's no longer going to call Kill Raven Kill Raven. He's, he's, he's going to give him a little nickname of KR. Hey, they're in the heat of battle right now. He needs a better nomenclature. KR, really? What I do enjoy on this page is we see... Old Skull, he picks up one of the slaves completely above his head. I'm lifting my head, my hands like you guys can see me. But he lifts this guy completely above his head and just throws him. So despite looking like Dr. Mindbender, this guy has tremendous strength. Right. And <laughs> next panel, we've got Camilla looking absolutely unhinged again. Her eyes just always look so vacant. Even when they're trying to convey this, like, not a threatening scene. It just it doesn't. She doesn't pull it off very well. She just looks so deranged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, yeah. You've been bringing that attention, and now I just can't. I can't not see it. I do enjoy that this uh, this panel where she looks unhinged. Uh, we get a nice exchange between Killraven and Camilla. Come on, you dumb savage. Let's get out of here. The Warlord isn't the only one that's got attack squads in this place. I don't know who you are, Siren or Vixen, but Killraven does not need any female to tell him his place. But she has a nice cunning re- uh, retort, so that's why you're always lost. <laughs> yeah. So she can get as good as she gets. 
Yeah, and, and yeah, you're definitely seeing uh, a, a kill Raven is definitely a, a, a bit of a I don't want to say a chauvinist, but he he feels that his maleness is definitely some sort of entitlement, and he doesn't want to take any gruff from any females. I, I love is that this is absolutely she's like untying you from the machine that was just shooting a laser into your chest. Maybe this is not the best time to be illustrating your less than enlightened ideals. Yeah. You can Archie Bunker some other time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and as you go on, um, you've got warlords calling in for reinforcements because Grok and uh, the Freemen, and they're they're all just going haywire in this place, and, and warlords screaming for help like a stuck pig. But you go to the next panel, and the, God, man, they really just drew her looking like crazy. She, I don't, she, I don't have know you how ever to seen describe her face in that panel. Okay, have you ever seen that meme with like the overattached girlfriend? I have not, but I can see that. That's what she looks like right there. She looks like the overattached girlfriend meme. I would have to say that's probably the worst panel here in this entire issue, just because her face just looks so blank and almost unfinished. Yeah, and Killraven looks like he aged about 30 years in that freaking table. Yeah, they were apparently melting him. His face looks like it's made <laughs> up of wax and he's melting. I don't know who I feel worse for in that panel. He looks like Keith Richards. Yeah, he looks like Keith Richards, and he, he, his head is a little bit flat, so he looks like a, a Keith Richards mixed with uh, Herman the Monster from the Monsters, because uh, his, his skull's been flattened out by Warlord's fist one too many times. <laughs> He's definitely got more corners on his head than he probably should, but <laughs> we see, despite the bullshit that uh, Kill Raven was giving her, Camille really did a good job planning this escape. Because not only did she spring the free men, but she also stopped on the way and got them their weapons. So she gave Killraven his weapons back. And she I enjoy that she had to make comments about his quote-unquote uh, quaint stars. But we get a little background from Killraven. Again, he we knew that he called them silver stars. But we learned that they can cut most any flesh and any hide to ribbons. So yep. I don't buy it because we've talked about this before. If you, say, got 100% on a spelling test in second grade, that's the little gold star that your teacher would put on your paper. It just looks like a bigger version of that that you would throw. They just they don't look very dangerous. Those paper cuts are brutal, man. I, I'm definitely on Camille's side that those things look lame and they deserve to be made fun of. Right, and and, and, and in the same panel, she, she tells Killraven uh, that he should move. You know, kind of like a warning. Hey, kill Raven, move. And once again, he uh, he, he, he dismisses her with a, I told you before, kill Raven moves at his own command. Then when he, uh, the giant metal fist, because again, the only time Warlord can attack is from behind by crazily sing, swinging his giant metal fist. He pulled that move again, but when he barely missed and kill Raven realizes Hey, perhaps this time, well, this once I'll make an exception. But again, this is probably not the best time for your Archie Bunker bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. Leave yeah, the posturing for later. Yeah, she's calling out a warning. Oh, I'm not going to move because some woman told me to. It's, it's ridiculous. Right, so yeah, he dodges the, the, the mighty mechanical arms blow and uh, turns around and gives him a, a counter punch right to the freaking mouth. <laughs> right to the mouth. Right in the kisser. 
I have to say, every blow that Killraven has landed this issue on Warlord has been so satisfying. Because it's usually he'll taunt him beforehand, and it's just... It, every time it looks like it catches the Warlord completely flat-footed. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, that he pre- basically, he's not even trying to beat the crap out of the Warlord. He's just buying buying for time at this point. You know, he's covering his compatriots' escape while... Uh, while he's uh, busy delaying, you know, not only the Warlord, but his disposable G.I. Joe extras as well. I gotta say, I love that panel where he does hit him in the face, because there's all these lines coming off of it. There's, it looks like it's an explosion of light and awesomeness, right where he can, like, you can't even see the lower part of Warlord's face, because there's just so many lines coming off of it. I don't know exactly what that's trying to imply, except for badassery and awesomeness. Exactly. It's, it's, it's just like a strobe light went off. It's radiating off his fist and his face. It's just, so it, it's just showing that that right there is the money shot. It, it's just awesome. <laughs> uh, we also get on this last panel on this page, they're all escaping. Kill Raven is in the rear, and he lifts himself up on these two railings with his hands and just mule kicks a guy in the face and knocks him off a ladder. Classic. Totally classic. And he's wearing pants. He is in fact wearing pants. So yeah, so they're 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 on the lamb now. They're 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 trying to get out of whatever this complex is. And uh Camilla apparently knows the way out and she's uh she's leading our band of merry men out of here. And uh, up, as she's trying to assist them in their directions, of course, Kill Raven's doing his usual, uh, you know, usual. I don't know. He's he's just being really standoffish. It feels like Grok's not very pleased with him. It looks like. I mean, I don't disagree with some of the cold shoulder that uh, that Kill Raven is giving Camilla. Camilla is one of the head keepers, and on a whim. She uh, she freed the, the free men, and Killraven asks a very reasonable question. Why did you do this? And she will not give him a straight answer. Fair enough, fair enough. He's, he's, he's got to be wondering what the hell's going on here. And uh, she apparently is, just doesn't think he's smart enough to get her plan. So uh, they come out, and it turns out that where they were was in the bowels of Yankee Stadium somewhere. Yes, we, we see them emerge onto the playing field. We see that this is where the cover had taken place. There's this really thin bridge going through what used to be the field, but most of the field has collapsed, and there's spikes in the middle. And they see across the way, there's uh, it looks like a door that they're hoping is some sort of exit. Yeah, and uh, you know, they're, uh, they're crossing over that bridge. You know, Kill Raven is, of course, taking point, and as he's making his way over to this one <coughs> this one exit, uh, we see uh, a giant lobster claw emerge. Yeah, I like that the first panel on this page, Killraven's got his sword in his left hand, and with his right hand, he's pointing uh, out to the uh, to the exit, and they, they, they point out that it's a very Babe Ruthian pose. Oh, yes, yes, totally. Yeah, we see the, the giant lo- uh, lobster monster that looked more like a cockroach monster on the, the cover. But yeah, I mean, this thing is easily at least two stories tall. I mean, it is huge. It has like a human face, but other than that, it's like a giant lobster. It is like it's with its legs. 
it's at least what would you say 12 feet across oh i would definitely say yeah 12 feet across and probably about 12 foot high maybe a little bit more maybe a little bit more i'd say yeah probably 15 to 18 feet i mean this thing is huge and it just looks badass yeah, it it is by far one of the cooler character designs they've made. Uh, you know, it, it it kind of reminds me of uh, of what would happen if you you made it the xenomorph from Alien with a with a crustacean. That's exactly what it is because I'm like, there's no way when I saw this this creature could get any more badass. Then what does it do? It spits fucking acid. Yeah, pretty powerful acid at that. Yeah, at it's he spits it out he tries to spray it all over uh some hits hawk in the face and the side of the head which they'll come back to later yeah yeah he and i love the way they describe it uh they describe it as a and there is a sound in his ears he will never forget that of his flesh dissolving under the caustic fluid the writing in this is amazing then we see Kill Raven. He's grabbed and picked up by one of those monster claws. And again, all I could think of was. <laughs> That's what Star Trek. This is what Star Trek would have done in the 60s yep. if they had the budget. Captain Kirk would have had his shirt uh, shredded in the first scene, and he would have gotten picked up by a giant lobster claw. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. We see that not only is he Kill Raven kind of screwed right now that uh, he's being picked up by the crab, that Hawk has just got hit in the face with some acid, but we see now that behind them all these other monsters are coming out and they're caught in this like monster pincer movement. So we've got this weird fish creature that walks like a lizard, an yeah, anteater that, creature, and like a bug. Yeah, that's the that's the uh, what do you call it? The Darwin fish right there. Yes, that's exactly what it looks like. That's what I thought too. That it's that fish, that first fish that comes out of uh, that comes out of the ocean and walks on land. Right, and, and you've got you've got the I don't know. It looks like an ant mixed with a freaking mosquito or something. And, and the ant eater one is really really interesting. It looks like a giant. I, I called it the rant eater. You know, it looked like a cross between a giant rat and a freaking ant eater. Oh, and, you watch you watch Deep Space Nine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the voles that would be on the station? It almost looks like a vole. Yeah. Yep. And then it, it looks like there is something else coming out of that tunnel behind them, but it doesn't really give you much more than a like a, a, a claw and like an eye, and that's it. Yeah. And if things couldn't get any worse, we see Warlord. He comes out into the bleachers, uh, and, we, uh, and he's going to watch the final demise of Killraven. We also learn that this is what they call the arena, and he thinks this is very fitting for Kill Raven to die here because it's where he spent most of his life fighting in the arena. Right, yeah, and, and he he seems pretty confident right now. Warlord seems to have regained some confidence, and uh, he he's got a big old shit eating grin on his face, like he knows what's going to happen here. I I thought the crab monster alone was going to be enough to do in the Freeman, and now that we have. Weird ant, rat eater. What did you call it? The rant eater. The rant eater and the Darwin fish. I mean, it, it, it's looking pretty good. But this is where Mashula kicks some ass. He doesn't even like miss a beat. He just like loads three arrows into his crossbow and just instantly kills the Darwin fish. Yeah, just one shot kill. You know, ugh, that's Mashula's badass. That's oh, all sorry. I can say. 
It was four arrows, not three. But yeah, he just like Hawkeye, just just one hit kills the uh, the the fish and it's dead. Yeah, right. and old, old Skull's no slouch either. He he basically uh, deals some serious damage to the I don't know the mosquito ant freaking guy. Yeah, he's and, double hand hitting it, and yeah, he knocks it off the bridge into the spikes. And unfortunately, we can't tell who that is. Maybe it's maybe it's expendable number one. Oh yeah, I actually want to go back a page. Uh, we moved for. I just wanted to just make a point. This is a great issue, but like in the last issue, I want to call some bullshit. I want to just that picture of the giant crab that its leg span is at least twelve feet across. It's coming across the bridge to get Kill Raven when that bridge is not any more than maybe two, two and a half feet across. So yeah, I it, no, even in the picture, his feet are not touching the bridge. Oh no, he, he's like he's got his tucked underneath his body. He's like you know doing the the little weird. I don't know, pigeon walk with his He's trying giant to crab feet. Across, and I, I, I'm calling bullshit. But Fair enough. I, hey, don't, I, I don't want to get bogged down because this is so badass. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can call bullshit on the fact that that freaking bridge looks like it's only two inches thick, too. Yeah, I agree with you there that it, it should have been a little bit thicker. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Um, talking about things that don't make sense, we have Camilla with her impractical outfit. Uh, calling on Grok to go help kill Raven, and we see some kick-ass teamwork here. Right, she looks very, very, very upset when she's doing this too. But yeah, Grok, uh, Grok is uh, coming in like a freight train against the the giant crab monster. Yeah, and he gets up so much momentum, he gets kind of underneath it and knocks it on its side, and then Kill Raven, without missing a beat, got his sword and comes in and just gets the. Uh, the lobster under the net or under its chin and uh, his neck and just buries its sword and kills it. Yeah, what they didn't show is the fact that a uh, uh, giant crab guy whispered "thank you" into Kill Raven's ears after this. I like to think that he cut off the uh, the, the lobster's head to get the quickening because there can be only one. <laughs> oh, I thought it was to get the sweet flesh from the inside. <laughs> They're gonna be eating this guy for like the next month. <laughs> Food's hard to come by. There's not that many cats left. Exactly. <laughs> Grok is happy because he could see they were all... And when the food got low, they were just going to put Grok on a spit and kill and eat him. But uh, they knocked the lobster into the pit, but it's not But not before a bunch of his blood uh, spurts out of the wound. And like any good xenomorph, it's acid. Of course, totally. It, it, he's all acid. Yeah, some hits kill Raven, and he doesn't even miss a beat. And he actually is pretty poetic about it. That creature's life essence lies smoldering over the ground. Uh, it would it wouldn't do to touch it. It's just like how he put that. Yeah, well, he's had, his flesh is burning. He was able to. I just I just like the way he expressed it. Okay, yeah, and and, and now it looks like the warlord wants to wants to throw into this fight. And uh, he seems pretty upset that Kill Raven and the boys are, are, are managing this trial by combat fairly easily. And he comes in and M. Bison's his freaking way into the scene on this next panel. Yeah, just right before that, it was cool. Uh, Kill Raven, he warns Grok. You know, a minute ago, he didn't care anything about Grok. He sees Grok now as a friend and an ally, so he warns him to stay clear of the blood. And then, yeah, that is perhaps my favorite 
favorite thing that I've seen the Warlord do. You know, like you said, like in Bison or like uh, Superman or Nova or Cannonball. He's just got his arm out and he's flying straight at Kill Raven and just hits him right in the back. And I can't believe we didn't get an onomatopoeia for that. I know. We totally should have. Just gets him like right in the small of the back. Yeah, at least a crack or, you know, a, a, a thump or, or something. You know, he's got they got all it's so much action in that one panel and, and they don't they don't give us anything because that had to make a sound. That should have like crippled him. But man, he's Kill Raven. He's he's still alive. He's on the ground, he's on his back, and Warlord is mounting an attack. And we, we get here from their expressions and from the captions. It was a pretty empty attack. It had sound, it didn't have substance. He's desperate. He comes at Kill Raven. Kill Raven is able to get him off balance and he flips him into the the acid and this is what i was hoping was going to happen last issue but the arm starts to melt yeah yeah and, you know, okay the warlord comes in with his same old tired game uh, i mean you, you see what he's going for and kill raven knows what he's going for he's going for beating his skull into a bloody pulp with his freaking metal arm which kill raven had warned him the last time he did that 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 was getting old, and you better get a new trick if you want to survive. So I like that this calls back, like you said, he tried it again, and that was his undoing. Yep. So yeah, Kill Raven basically Warlord flops over, and Kill Raven pins his metal arm into a pool of acid and holds it there while while it's dissolving. Warlord does not does not take this very well. He starts begging for mercy. Please don't don't do this. Pill Raven, please, my arm. Years, it took years of pain to build that arm. Back again, again. So yeah, he's lost it. He's checked out. His arm, as you, you see it almost up to the shoulder, is just gone. And yeah, he uh, he's begging for mercy at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. He he's just begging for mercy, and it, it's it's kind of it, it's it's almost kind of sad. Yeah, I mean he. That for, or the, the last issue, he came off as such a strong character. He came off as such an evil, raging, strong character that nothing was going to stand in his way. He was crushing things and throwing jet engines. And, I mean, he's just so pathetic here that he – somebody who would never grant mercy is begging for it, which is what Kill Raven tells on me. That that's, he's the last person who should be asking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can see that basically Warlord was just a, a, an armor-plated bag of insecurity. Yeah, which is exactly what Camilla had called him on. Yeah. I was surprised. Kill Raven actually does spare him. He took his arm, and he's giving that to him as a, a warning that I have taken your arm for a second time, that if I ever, if you ever cross my path again, or if you continue to enslave men, your shouts of mercy won't save you. So Kill Raven does end up granting him mercy, and I and I think we can all agree that's definitely probably not going to come back in the future to to bite him in the ass or hit him in the back and then hit him in the back of the head several times. So yeah, we we see our boys uh, making a, a hasty escape from the uh, Yankee Stadium, and Kill Raven's. Uh, possibly learn that maybe going through the one obvious door was not the best exit plan 
Which I, I love that they all agree that that was a stupid thing for them to do. Yeah, but if you look in the bottom right uh, of that panel, you've got Camilla looking, looking her her best, trying to look her best like Kim Kardashian after a recent Botox freaking botched procedure. She almost looks to me like in Mortal Kombat 2 when Melina would take her mask down and you see she's got almost like the piranha joker mouth. She's halfway uh, from where she was last panel to that. Yeah, uh, I you know what with, with the super pronounced cheekbones and the the overly plump lips and, and like it looks like her nose got a, a little I don't know a little swollen too. Uh, I think she's doing her best to be a, a, a botched Botox procedure patient. <laughs> she was testing some of her new procedures on her face between panels and it didn't work out. Yeah, it's, no. it's weird to me. That just It's like every panel, her face is drawn differently. I'm hoping that we just get a little bit more consistency. Because like you said, like the bone structure, the nose, and the mouth, it's, it's much different than any way she's been drawn in the previous panels. It's so weird. Like, Mashula, he looks picture perfect every time. Killraven, we see some variation in the features. Warlord looks like Cable in every single uh, panel. It's her. It's, just, it's so weird. There's such a wide variety of, uh, of, of features that they just go through. It's very odd. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, they, they depart the stadium, and uh, they, they find a place to hole up for a little while till the uh, pursuit dies down. Yeah, they, they find a uh, subway platform at uh, 161st Street. And Killraven, again, she, he wants to know why they, why Camilla helped them. She doesn't explain. She just says she had her own reasons. We, they remind us that Hawk needs medical attention, which he doesn't look too bad. He's on his own feet. He's, he's not holding the side of his head when we see him. So he doesn't look too bad off. Right, but these are some tough bastards, so I can't imagine him hurting too much. We get this is part of the, the course for Killraven. We get a nice speech of him saying that he wants to come back when the war is over and do some rehab on this area, bring it back to the the place of enjoyment that it used to be before the Martians destroyed it. Yep. Uh, basically, I think I think they're walking through a park at this point or something. It's I assume he meant the stadium, which didn't make much sense to me because. They, they said they were on this plat, uh, subway platform, so I thought he was calling back to... Because they said it's a place of summer afternoons, which is how they describe Yankee Stadium. But yeah, in this panel, they're very clearly on a subway platform where, like, the ground is missing. Like, the, the, it all caved in. Like, ten, like the, the, the railway system is gone 10 feet away from the platform. So I don't think they that was a great place of sun, summer afternoons, but hey. I think he's a little bit confused because he's been hit in the head 13 times in the last 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's definitely, you know, had his freaking brain rocked against some brain fluid and banged around his skull. Uh, I love the last panel here because we get next. There's a nightmare loose in Washington, D.C. And we see... <laughs> that is whatever, so true. Yes, because... I can't imagine how anybody could look at that panel and not think that that Martian is trying to have sex with the Capitol building. Why? <laughs> Why? I, you know, mean, I, I did not think that the Martian was trying to have sex with the Capitol building until you said that. Now can you see anything but that? 
Well, no, now I can't see anything but that. But that's because you're perverted ass where you can put it in my head now. No, all I can look at that and see is... <laughs> it's probably not appropriate for there. Oh, maybe it is, though. So, yeah, I can't wait to see this next issue. And I like that they had that, that, that brief little callback because we got a throwaway line from Warlord that Killraven will scream loud enough that the Martians in Washington, D.C. will hear, and now that's exactly where they're going. So that was a nice way to to tie that in, uh, that to the ending of the issue and to tie it all together. Again, I can't wait to get there. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like we're gonna, uh, Kill Raven and the boys are going to be going on a little road trip, possibly under the direction of uh, Camilla here. Yeah. Mr. Kill Raven goes to Washington. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, I'm hoping we maybe at least have an issue that's just a road trip, and at the very end we see the uh, the Martians in Washington. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. I haven't I haven't taken a peek at the next one yet. I haven't yet either. I wanted to come in fresh. Yeah, I agree with you. I hope we get like a couple issues of them going state by state until they get to Washington D.C. That would be awesome. Just a, a a freaking you know a tour of the wasteland, as it were, after the conquest of Earth. Exactly. They could get a bunch of issues out of that. That'd be oh, crazy. yeah. There's so much mileage to get out of that. You know, plus you're going to have the running threat of the Martians trying to hunt them down. You know, Warlord's probably going to be back on their trail again trying to vindicate himself. You know, then there's the, the you know, there, there's plenty of plot opportunity there because there is the, uh, the tension between Killraven and Camilla because her motives are very unclear. I have to say, unfortunately, I did ruin a little bit for me. I, I've, I've read Camilla's Wikipedia page. I want to say it was an accident. I didn't mean to spoil things. But there's a lot of good reveals there. And there's a really... She actually made history in Marvel Comics, and I can't wait to get to the issue where we talk about that. I'm quivering with anticipation. <laughs> That's exactly how the Capitol building felt in that last panel. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> Oh, I hope that's just what the cover of the next issue is because I've tainted it for you forever. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's bad enough when they said that there's a a, a nightmare in Washington. And, and I thought, wow, that these, these guys in 73 were, were damn near clairvoyant because that's what we have now. I got to post this picture online somewhere because I'd like some of our uh, listeners to vote. We now are the, the, the little picture for our show it's a guy in a pan red pajamas and a cape his name is four Bushman, and he's done a lot of some of the sillier stuff in marvel so i thought four Bushman would be a good avatar for our show i would like a vote if you guys want us to keep with four Bushman, or if you would like the official avatar of our show would be the martian getting a swerve on with the Capitol <laughs> building <laughs> Well, I mean, can 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 you constantly change the uh, show's avatar? You can. That's one thing that I do know how to do. Well, I mean, in that case, for for the Kill Raven run, you can totally keep keep the Martian that's uh, getting a uh, all Harvey Weinstein ish with the freaking uh, the Capitol building up there. Yeah, I, I, let me explore that because the iTunes is they are quite the fascist when it comes to the size and the look and whatnot. But yeah, I will put some research into this. But I, I love that panel. 
Awesome. I can't wait to see it. I'll post it on our website, which is comicbookdungeonpodcast.podient.co. And I've got one article up there or one blog. I'm going to write a few more. There, there, there's a possibility that we might switch uh, hosting companies in the next couple months, which is why I've kind of slowed down on that. But I definitely have a lot of content that I, I'll put up there. But I'll definitely put that Kill Raven picture up sometime this weekend. Outstanding. Talking about weekends, uh, I did some live reporting uh, for the podcast because I never stop. Last weekend, I, want, I went to the Grand Rapids Comic Con. And I got to say, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm a pretty negative guy who finds fault in everything, and I had to wait a long time for parking, and then there was a long line outside. I was really getting ready to have some criticisms, and I gotta say, the logistics of this place was amazing. You could tell this wasn't the first con. Even though there was a long line, they constantly had people yelling, do you have tickets? Do you not have tickets? Trying to make sure people weren't waiting in the long, wrong lines. And, oh, you have passes, go here. Just trying to get people moving where they need to go as fast as possible. A big complaint I have at cons is when they don't have enough space between or for the aisles. And they definitely were cognizant of that here. They had plenty of space. The only time you would see a backup uh, in the aisles between vendors is when you'd have people who'd have to take like three selfies in the middle of the aisle, which if don't do that, don't be those people. Yeah. But I thought, yeah, I thought they had some great media guests. Beverly Crusher, Gates McFadden was there. Billy D. Williams was there. Darkwing Ducks, Jim Cummings was there. There were some cool guests. And I got to say, I'm not your traditional con goer. The only reason I, I find myself really going to cons anymore is I like to buy issues, back issues out of the 25 cent or 50 cent bins. And uh, I like to uh, meet up with local artists or writers. I like to get uh, in, uh, independent indie comic books. I like to meet those local creators. Uh, I met two creators there. I had met Dirk Manning, who I've actually met before. And... I've now bought, I think, almost all of his uh, uh, trade paperbacks. He writes Mr. Ree, which is Mr., then R-H-E-E. And he's kind of like a Constantine character where he's kind of this anti-hero who fights supernatural causes. And you kind of see he's kind of a dick at times. And uh, I wrote, I think I bought the entire run of Nightmare World, which is a uh, anthology book that he writes of just different horror stories. What I like about both books is that I'm super ADD and all of his stories are, say, one to three or one to four pages. So even the mystery, which has this continuing narrative, there's every story is only a couple pages. So if you're reading in small chunks at a time, it's perfect. I love horror comics. I end up bagging on most of them because I just don't think they're realized very well or they're very derivative. Gotta say, I can't say enough good things about Dirk Manning and Nightmare World and Mystery. You guys, I would be doing a disservice if I didn't recommend this. You can go to his website, DirkManning.com, or because it's the 21st century, you can find his stuff on Comixology. I met somebody else there that I had not met at previous cons. Uh, her name was Casey Pierce, and she had a book. She had three issues there. It was called Nora, N-O-R-A-H. And this was definitely, uh, it's an interesting concept I hadn't seen before. 
there's this woman who she takes this experimental drug and now it allows her to go into people's comas and pull people out of them. It's the second... This is super cool. It's my favorite part of the series. There's a, a guy in an auto accident in the second book. And when she goes inside his head, he has a conjoined like twin, like a twin that he absorbed in the womb. So he's hanging out with this little meatball looking like distorted fetus. And he has to kind of separate. She has to separate them and convince him to 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 come out and to go back to his life. It's kind of a cool concept. I've you, you see a lot of psychics talk to dead people, talk to this. I'd never I'd never seen that concept before. Going for money, going into people's heads who've been in a coma and pulling out. Kind of neat. Uh, you can get this on Comicsology as well. And her website is cosmic with a K. Cosmiccasey.com. And if you're live in Michigan, I would highly recommend the grand rapids comic-con that sounds awesome i wish there were some uh, smaller comic-cons out here that were uh easier for me to get to but uh you, i got too many freaking kids my schedule doesn't allow it unfortunately yeah, <clears throat> I, I love the real small cons there's smaller ones around here like i'm weird there's the, the ones that have like the five dollar admissions where it's just nothing but me and a bunch of like sweaty people just diving into bins of 25 cent comics those are my favorite cons because I so many people who go to cons, they're there to cosplay. They're there for all these different things. And I like the smaller cons because they're less like the, like I said, the ones where it's just a mean, a bunch of sweaty people is because it's you don't see cosplayers there. It's just you diving into bins or you enjoying everybody's there just for comics. The Grand Rapids one was it was a for Michigan. It was a decent sized one. Wasn't too expensive. The only thing that I have to say that did irk me was Tickets for Saturday, I think they were $25 if you pre-bought them, but if you went got them at the door, they were $30. But then when I went to, to buy ahead of time, they went through Ticketmaster. So they were like $38 if you went through Ticketmaster. So what was the benefit of buying them ahead of time? So it's weird to see smaller venues use Ticketmaster because they really, really just, just, just screw you over on all the fees. Right. I would have preferred if they did a different venue. But yeah, that's... That's it. I highly recommend the con, and I look forward to different con uh, con reviews in the future. I also like that they had a, a place to to donate blood. Some of those cons do that. I did donate blood, and they gave me a cool free print of Wonder Woman, Miss Marvel, Donatello, the little ball droid from the new Star Wars movie. I know That's you guys are gonna BB-8, BB-8, dude. Yeah, R two. Shut up. <laughs> And Optimus Prime with Deadpool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. What's Optimus Prime doing with Deadpool? Well, there's just it's it's just all these different fandoms that I'm sure nobody cares enough to sue them for putting them in, but they're all together in this cool print, and it, it's an I love Grand Rapids sign in the background. Kind of neat, but it's a good way to just if people are there anyway, it's a good way for them to get blood for people to give back, and I. I always thought that's a good idea that they do that at cons, and I, I like to, to donate blood. This was the first time I've done it. I'm going to continue to do that. Um, Yeah. That's what I've got. Do you have anything else? No, man. Just keep flipping those pages, and we'll keep on uh, keeping on here. Yeah, I just want to leave you guys with a final thought here. That if you really think about it, choosing the world's most powerful psychic as your father figure boss and mentor and then choosing to date and then marry another one of the world's most powerful psychics and then when you guys break up again dating another powerful psychic if you really think about that 
that the crazy pressure that you would always be under and the neuroses that that would call that cause really explains a lot of Cyclops' behavior. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> I also want to say, go on record to say I am a Cyclops apologist. Deal with it. And Cyclops was right. Normally at this point, we would now cut to the, the song at the end of the show, but we're going to do something a little bit different. And here you go, guys, your moment of zen. Thank you for being afraid. 